Hi everyone, I'm Tim Lee and you're listening to Leader Life. Now, last week I had told you that I was going to do something a little bit different for episode four and hopefully this will work out and this will be something a little bit different. So the purpose of doing this podcast is to look at leadership from a holistic perspective, which means you're going to hear interviews like the ones that I've already shared with you in episodes one, two, and three. And to keep things a little bit interesting, every now and then I'm going to change things up and share something that's a little bit more of a conversational format. We're going to be calling these episodes Leadership Chats, and this is the very first one. My hope is to share all kinds of conversations with you. We want to have serious conversations about leading through difficult issues and more lighthearted conversations about how leaders live in their lives as healthy people, having fun, living a well-rounded life. Uh, you might even hear us talk about how we enjoy hobbies like sports, music in, in one episode, and then in the next time that we do a leadership chat episode, uh, we might discuss something like race relations or something political uh, in a different episode. The, the point is that leadership can't be confined to a single topic. So in leadership chats, every topic is on the table. This will also be a chance for me to share a little bit more of what's on my mind since interview episodes aren't really designed for me to be doing most of the talking. Now, to launch this new Leadership Chats format, I asked two of my friends to join me. Danny Saltzman has been my friend since our early days, the fledgling AYSO career that we used to have. Uh, he's also my brother-in-law. Danny, say hi. Hello. And Mark Rondeau, who is a Canadian friend of mine who keeps the stereotype alive and well by being the nicest human being on the planet. Uh, by the way, if you know any Canadians, you can email me at leaderlifepodcast at gmail.com and ask Mark if he knows any of those Canadian people, because that's what happens when you're Canadian, right, Mark? That is accurate. All right. Say hi to everybody, Mark. Hi, everyone. Uh, by the way, Mark, I want to say thank you to you as well. You've been doing the editing for these episodes so far. Uh, well done. Thank you so much. Sorry about that squeaky chair issue that you had to work with in the last episode. It's all good. Appreciate that. All right, enough with the introductions. How about we get into the first segment? We're going to do this in three segments today, and the first segment is called The Struggle is Real, because, you know, leadership is super easy, and uh, it's, it's actually really hard, right? Uh, leadership is challenging, and for the last two years, the three of us have been leading through Emerge. We've been, we're all leaders at the same church called Life Church in Lancaster, California, and, uh, and so we've been leading through this Emerge. So I thought for this first segment, it'd be cool if we just talk about kind of the reality of how leadership is not an easy thing, right? So I've got a couple of things that maybe we can chat about for a few minutes, but uh, the idea is that we wanna to try to encourage folks by sharing the fact that we're real people and that we don't have it all figured out just yet. Mark, why don't we start with you? Uh, you actually, in the last two years of this process called, that we called Converge, where we merged these two churches together, one where we planted and a church where we kinda of all grew up, um, we uh, have been going through this incredible process called Converge, and in the middle of that, you became a licensed minister and actually joined our pastoral team. Uh, what would you say has been one of the biggest challenges that you faced in this process of merging and becoming a pastor at the same time? Well, probably the biggest thing that I was facing was coming to the realization that this was this has been my calling for a number of years and to be at 45 years old and to see that come to fruition and now my mantle and my role has changed in a significant way uh, I think my biggest struggle was coming to the realization that I have a voice and 
I have something to share, but also I'm carrying the mantle of something that is bigger than what I used to do. I, I remember having some early conversations with you about authority and mm -hmm. you would walk into a room and you're just kind of like one of the guys and then now you're walking into the room and you're Pastor Mark, right? What, what's that feel like when you are in the same, same group of people, same church, and now all of a sudden you have this new level of authority? It's, it's a crazy feeling. I mean, it's very honoring and it's very rewarding to hear people refer to you as Pastor Mark. Um, it's a cool feeling that, thanks God, <laughs> that we've made it thus far. And, uh, but it's when people call my name and say, Pastor Mark, I sometimes have to take a double take and who are they talking to? And so I had to come to the realization, oh, that's me. And so it's very cool. It's very honoring, but it's nothing that's to be taken lightly because it just raises my, uh, my accountability level of where I need to be and the people that I'm accountable to as far as who I'm leading. That's awesome. So uh, speaking of being the same group of people and now pastor, Danny, you and I actually, <clears throat> we grew up in this church, right? And so you started out in ministry as a youth pastor here, a worship pastor here, and then we've kind of gone on all different stuff and just recently you stepped back into youth ministry. So question that I've been thinking about, is youth ministry the same? Still super easy, right? Um, well, the short answer is, is it still the same? No, it's absolutely different. But it's also the same, if that makes sense. How so? Um, you're still dealing with young people that are trying to find out for themselves who God is and how to live their life as a young person, going to school, um, trying to establish who they are as people and find out who they are in this world. Um, youth ministry is still the same in those aspects. You want them to know God's love in a deep, meaningful way. You want them to know that they're a part of God's family, that they were created um, on purpose and masterfully created. Um, but also, youth ministry is completely different. <laughs> So whereas we're still teaching God's love, we're still teaching purpose, we're still teaching all of those things, we, there's a whole set of things that are completely different. I just think back to when I first became a youth pastor in 2003, so that's 14 years ago. Things are completely different in the world that we live in. Uh, I just try to think of and I'm just going to press into it, there are, there's not a person in my youth group now that doesn't on a daily basis deal with friends at school that are dealing with issues of homosexuality. And then even to compound those issues, they're dealing with all the gender identity issues nowadays. So I have to talk with these young people a lot on how to deal with friends that are struggling with their identity who, who they are as a person, who they are as, as a gender. They, I have people in the youth group that talk about, they have friends that are either switching genders or don't even identify with the gender. Mm. And then I have young people in the youth group that, that how do I deal with my friends that, that, are, that are gay and lesbian? And it's just a different world as where those things did exist 13 years ago. 
um, they were very less talked about, less common, I feel like. Yeah. And now it's infiltrated almost every every day. So I, it's it's a whole new world to to travel through and teach these young people that their identity is in Christ, it's in God, and they they need to stand up for what is true, but at the same time still be able to love their friends and share the love of God and the light that he wants us to be in, in the world that we live in. Yeah, and so it's a completely different conversation, and then not even to mention the fact that these kids, like their attention span is so much shorter because... <laughs> yeah. Hello, Instagram, Snapchat. What is it? It's something like, is it seven seconds of attention span or something for this generation? Yeah. That's That's insane. That's what they're saying. So keeping the attention of of a young person, we have to find new ways to make sure they're, they're staying captivated by what we're talking about. So not only are there all those issues, but showing them in creative ways the the same material um just going around that is is different but at the same time we're still dealing with young people who need to know god's love and need to know who they are need to know their identity in christ and and how they fit um i feel like in youth ministry before i i was dealing with a lot of the the identity um and the father God being their father and God adopting them into their family. I feel like those were like the main topics where those are still topics today, but the real, the, the topics are how, how do I live in this world where everyone else around me seems to, to be different, seems to either not know God or dislike God or all their friends are just dealing with all this other stuff that is not, um, that's not what we would see in normal traditional Christian homes, normal traditional youth ministries from many years ago. Yeah. It's it's completely different, and it's it's exciting to walk through that with them, but it's challenging. I find myself uh, having to really learn about the culture now. I felt like when I was in youth ministry before, I was close enough to it that I still related a little bit. Yeah. And, and now that I'm 33 years old, um, it's a lot different than being 19, 20 and working with people in high school now, I'm really far away from it. So I feel like I need to do more research. I'm trying to read more on how to to relate. Have you cracked it yet? Like you've totally figured it out, right? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I, I think the the one thing that helps is is my son now. He he's uh, in sixth grade, so he's in junior high, and being able to to know him helps me know a little bit. Although. Um, it's it's just a, a wide range. So going from our youth group is junior high and high school, so six to twelve. Right. There's a big difference there from a sixth grader to a twelfth grader. Um, so finding ways to relate to the young junior hires who have even less attention span than the the twelfth graders who um, who are wondering why the these kids are jumping around, they can't sit still, and all this stuff. So it's it's there's a, a lot of unique differences in that, but at the same time. It's fun and it's rewarding because um, having a group like that, it's it's awesome when you see the older ones start to, to really speak into the younger ones' lives and start to mentor and start to lead. And, and that's where you find some, some rewarding time. So for me, and it, it really makes me think about how you're talking about um, the different groups of people, all the different kinds of things and issues that come up. For me, as I was reflecting on 
what I've learned in leadership over this whole last couple of years over the merge and uh, really one of the biggest lessons. I think I had actually told each of you this recently. I'm beginning to wonder if maybe my greatest contribution in leadership, and this would apply for you in youth ministry and as you're just stepping into a thing, but you've been doing it for a long time too, Mark. Um, the, I feel like the greatest contribution I made in leadership is twofold, starting and then not quitting. Yeah. Like I'm really, yeah. like with youth, isn't it true? It's really just about consistency. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what's the same mm -hmm. from when we were younger doing ministry, when... When, when we were being ministered to in youth, it was the people who were consistent in our lives that made the biggest impact, right? Yeah. So, and, and, and the reality is, uh, I think we heard somebody recently say, uh, oh, it was Dale Jenkins at a meeting that we, we had just recently. He said, you know, when you're dealing with, with adults, they're just big kids, you know? They're just big babies. They're just big youth mm -hmm. kids, and their attention span isn't much longer. So whether it's with kids or adults it's, it, or anybody in between, the biggest thing is start and don't quit. Like that is the most important lesson that I've learned. My greatest challenge, if I could kind of throw my hat in the ring on, um, on the struggle is real on leadership, has been that we planted a church almost seven years ago. The three of us actually planted this church life church together and then we went through the merge, sure. But when we were planting, it's all about launching and like everybody, I remember everybody decides to be a part of what you're doing. Who's there? They pitched in. They are excited about your vision. They're on board. And then when you're leading a growing church and you get further away from the days when you're winning people over to a vision, you now have to talk about structure. You have to talk about... I feel like I have, I have, I'm, I'm having to lead so much outside of my own comfort zone of just gathering people and rallying people and telling them something that's exciting. Now I have to say... Okay, here's how we're going to do the exciting thing that you all signed up to do. That's really been stretching me. So I'm realizing that growing an organization is actually completely, it's a completely different kind of leadership. Um, I, I'm, and like you're studying generations, I'm studying a whole new level of leadership I didn't even know existed two years ago. Because for me, it was all just, yeah, we just talk a lot and people show up. It was super fun, right? right. So uh, we all agree, right? The struggle is real, but we're surviving. Leadership is good. We're going to make it, guys. All right, so segment number two, what's brewing? Guys, look, the, the reality is we want to talk about current events on these kinds of podcasts, on these kinds of episodes. There's no way we can't talk about Texas. And it's not the fun conversation. It's not the, it's not the greatest conversation that we want to be having. But it's what we have to talk about. You think about it in the last couple of months in our nation, we have had two of the worst shootings that we've had in recent history. Uh, there was Las Vegas, where a bunch of people came for a concert outside, and then all of a sudden, they're getting shot at. Think about what happened in Texas. People are gathering for worship in a place that should be safe. And people are dying. Over half their congregation is lost in one day because somebody walks in and starts shooting. I think, first of all, before we talk about it, though, uh, I think it, it should be important that we just say our thoughts, our prayers um, are with the people of Sutherland Springs. Our hearts are breaking over this issue. Mm -hmm. And I think not yeah. just as church leaders, but as human beings, when we think about these issues that are going on in the world, we have got to start with engaging our heart. Mm -hmm. a, a friend of mine was talking to me recently about um, compassion fatigue. 
And it was a phrase that I hadn't heard a whole lot about uh, up until recently. But I think it's a real phenomenon where you continue to see shootings in Las Vegas, shooting in Texas. And, and that's just two issues, right? We have all of these hurricanes, which are natural disasters. This is something a little bit I, I spoke with uh, Pastor Glenn Burris in my last episode when I was interviewing him, how you lead through these difficult, these challenging issues. The reality is we have to start with keeping our heart engaged. Uh, but I'd like to hear a little bit from you guys as well. Let's be honest for a minute. What does it make you feel and think when you look at these world issues? I mean, we were at church on Sunday. And I didn't find out that the shooting in Texas had happened until after we had this phenomenal service. Which just, I mean, amazing time, right? Mm-hmm. We had these guest speakers with us. People were really excited about what was going on in the church. And I got home, and I got a text message. Hey, did you hear about Texas? So first thing I did, check Twitter, right? So all of a sudden, my whole emotional state shifts. Right? What about you guys? What did, what did finding out about Texas, in light of everything else that's been happening in our country right now and around the world, What does that make you feel, not just as a leader, but as a human being? As far as a human being, it makes me mad. (laughs) Yeah. It it makes me upset that, I mean, there's just, you know, I like to think that we all appreciate the sanctity of life Hmm. and that we embrace that we get to breathe every day and that we get to do what we do. Um... And then there's just situations like this that occur that just attacks the very fiber of our lives. And it's crazy. It's, I mean, you can't really put it into words other than it makes you upset, but it also makes you heartbroken at the same time that I was reading on, on Facebook on a feed. And this in Texas, I mean, this one family had lost eight members of their family in the shooting and I'm um, it's crazy I can't I wrap my head around what what I did that day or if I had something go wrong that day and then you read something like that it's like man if this is the biggest piece of chaos I have today then I'm doing okay <laughs> cuz it's just it's it's sad but it's also <laughs> upsetting yeah yeah this really hits so close to home for me. Um, then let me just respond, because you said as a leader, as a human, uh, just as, as a human, as a person that lives in our country, that is seeing these terrible acts of violence happen more often. It's so, it's so hard to comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we see it in the news, and it, it's hard to relate. Um, but then you just think about families that have lost loved ones, families that have lost children, um, it breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. It hurts. It makes me, it makes me really sad. Yeah. Um, it makes me wonder how we got to a place where this happens, where mm-hmm. someone can be so uh, desensitized that, that life doesn't matter to them. And I, I mean, I am an optimistic person. I like to think that we all... Um, are good people at heart, but how, how does this happen? It makes me sad. It makes me scared. And, and that's just, that's true. For sure. Um, I think about, um, the, the recent history of, of shootings and acts of violence that you see happening. And I, and I think about before this, I, I think about what happened in a movie theater 
or in a nightclub or at a concert. Yeah. And those are, are things that, that maybe happen that you would go to once in a while that, that are sporadic events in your life. Oh, I'll go to this concert once in a while. But I think about something that I do every single week. I go to church every single week. Yeah. And to see a, a shooting like this happen in a church on a Sunday morning, um, so not only is it terrible that these people are coming to, to gather, to worship, uh, to spend time with family and fellowship and, and have a good time, and to see a massacre um, and, and the hurt that happens through that, the, the hurt for those families in that community, but the implication to every other person that's in a church on a Sunday morning. Right. It's just, does it, does it bring out fear? Are people afraid to go to church now? Is that something they do? every week, sometimes multiple times a week. Um, and, and it's crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. And obviously I have some other perspectives from a leadership standpoint, but I just as, as a person, those are things that I think about. I take my family to church every week. Yeah. It, it, it literally is one of those things where you, you could sit and talk and get mad about it, but as leaders then... The challenge is, like I said a minute ago, we have to keep our heart engaged. Mm-hmm. I think about as a leader, part of the challenge that I have for me is you don't always have the privilege that everybody else has. And this might sound strange, but you don't always get the privilege to just feel it. Because as soon as I saw it, I, I immediately started thinking about our church. Mm-hmm. I, and and I, I thought a bunch of stuff, right? I mean, I started thinking about the people in our church. I started thinking about if the people in our church are safe. I started thinking about how do I lead our church in light of all of this. So what, are, what do you do in that? I mean, how do you, how do you lead? I've got some thoughts, but, uh, and Danny, you said you've got some thoughts too. How, how do we respond to this, not just as people, but knowing that we took up this responsibility and we did say, yeah, we're going to be there to lead people in the middle of hard stuff. So how do you do that as a leader? I think one of the biggest things that I've learned in ministry in general is learning how to be with someone and be there for someone and to, to feel with them, to go through things with them. The, the verse that I keep thinking about when I think about being scared and living in fear is that perfect love casts out fear. So as we live in this sinful world, we need to keep having our eyes on God and keep directing our attention to Him and help others put their attention on God and the good and the love that is around. Um, so I think it's really important, whereas we try to get lost in our, in our feels, and, and rightly so a lot of times. Yeah. But as a leader, we need to be the ones who can make the, the decision to put our eyes on hope rather than fear and lead people to God rather than um, losing sight of Him in a hard situation. Mm -hmm. Because God loves us. He wants the best for us. And when we allow the, the fear and being scared to creep up inside of us or inside of the people around us, then that, that actually ends up, even though they're real emotions, they can distract us from, from our God that is there for us and wants mm-hmm. to love us and wants to comfort us. And, and I think that's what's encouraging the most is that, that God's love is the most amazing love in the world. Yeah. Um, you can't know true love without knowing God's love. 
Um, but the way that he loved us is amazing. And he, he has sent his Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to be with us, to comfort us. And we need to help people get to a place where they can learn to rely on God rather than turning their back or, or asking those questions and only coming to him in, in certain hard situations. And I think that the work that we put in every, every day, every week, um, helping people to rely on him at all times rather than just the, the hard times or just the bad situations right. will help in those areas. And when you also think about what we are called to do is to be, I guess, a voice of reason, mm. if you will. Um, because when situations like this happen, people will look to the news, they'll look to social media, they'll look to different outlets. But ultimately, the people that we are called to pastor and, and to look after and shepherd, um, they will look to us as well. And how do we respond? Do we cater to the chaos or do we usher in peace? Yeah. And so a lot of times, like you said earlier, is that a lot of times the initial response is, uh, is that outrage, it's that. Yeah. The feels that come out that's not first thing you may want, maybe want people to hear from you. <laughs> you mean like the first thing that you felt when you saw this wasn't maybe what Jesus would have said? Right. <laughs> that, that may be possibly true. Or maybe it was exactly what he would have said. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but it's just, we're, we're called to be people of peace. Yeah. And we're called to, to, to a higher standard yeah. of, as far as behavior. But also, like Pastor Danny was saying, it's okay to have the feels and it's okay to cry with people and to feel with them and to hug them and to hold them and to pray with them and to be there for them. Um, but we can't let what the enemy has designed for evil and bad um, destroy all the things that God is doing. Yeah. So we just need to be kind of like the, the ushers of, of peace and light to the situation. Yeah. I, I jotted down a couple of thoughts, and we kind of touched on some of them already, but just I'm thinking about if if I'm listening to this as a leader, I'm thinking, well, tell me some practical things I need to keep my focus on so that I can so that I can lead in the middle of that kind of a situation. So I, I have six bullet points here, and like I said, we touched on some of them. I, I think the one that we already touched on is you have to keep your heart engaged. Um, there's there's another one the second one that i would have is that you have to have a personal rhythm of finding your own safety in god so you have to have a, a relationship with god where you go to him and you say to him i trust you i i go to first john four eighteen that says perfect love casts out fear and there's no fear in love and and i make that a rhythm of my life so that i can come out of that prayer closet time and and be strong in the lord and know that he's my shelter and my my refuge because I now need to be a shelter and a refuge to some other people as a leader. But if I don't have that personal rhythm, I'm never going to be able to provide that uh, consistently for other people. The third thing, though, reminded me, uh, the thing that came into my mind was when, when I was in Bible college, I took a counseling course. One of the things that they taught us in this counseling course was to make sure that you check your face when you're in counseling. So they told us this really funny thing, that if you hear something crazy, and by the way, you're totally going to hear crazy stuff in ministry and in any kind of leadership role. You're going to yeah, hear people say crazy you. stuff, right? But they said, check your face. So uh, you can't see this on the podcast, but you know, don't make the eyebrows raised, open mouth face when somebody tells you the crazy thing that they're dealing with. You know, 
like when a youth walks in and tells you like, hey, this is the sin issue, you don't go, oh my goodness, because that, you, you, how do you then redeem that? You can't validate them and tell them that it's okay if you're blown away and shocked by their issue, right? And, and so I, I remember learning from that, though, that in ministry, I'm not supposed to engage my emotions publicly with stuff that's going on. And I think I'm, I've learned that you, you can't actually practice that. I think that there is a place where when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, Tim, I'm dealing with this issue in my family, that you don't go, oh, my goodness, that's insane. But that policy can't run across the board. When people are shot in Texas, and when I find that out, the people I lead need to see me react to that emotionally because mm-hmm. I think that they need to have permission to hurt. They need to have permission to be mad at the devil. They need to be, have permission to feel confused. And if they look at me and I always portray this guy who's got it all figured out, then I'm not actually leading them in their own journey of figuring it out. Because the reality is, I don't have it all figured out. <laughs> you know, So I, I have to make sure that I, that I am not afraid to show my emotions. So that'd be the, the, the next thing. Uh, the fourth thing is that we have got to take ownership to keep our places safe. As leaders, we have, this is what we signed up for, is to take care of the flock, mm-hmm. right? So if taking care of the flock means that we ask the flock to gather in a location, and I'm the shepherd of the flock, and I think this is true if you're a business leader, or if you're a, a parent, or a school teacher, or a pastor, uh, any kind of leadership role, you have to take ownership of this place that you're in. You have to learn how to keep an environment safe. Uh, But the next thing is, the fifth thing is, we have to simultaneously be welcoming of all people without sacrificing our job to protect the flock. So you have to learn how to balance that. I don't know that I've figured that out yet, uh, but you have to do it. How do you keep a place safe and still welcome everybody? I don't know. I, I don't know. But it's something that we have to continue to wrestle with. And then the sixth thing and the last thing would be uh, that that leaders have got to serve and lead in these issues without ever politicizing them. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm not yeah. a politician. I don't hold any kind of public political voice or office. And it is so highly inappropriate if I politicize these issues. I have to respond to it. I have to lead it. I have to lead our people through it. I even have to lead our people to respond to actual political issues, right? I mean, let's, let's be honest for a second. Maybe this is almost a little bit of a kickback to the struggle is real. I remember waking up on the Sunday morning after the presidential election, knowing that in our congregation, there was maybe not a 50-50 split, but there was a significant number of people in our church who didn't agree with each other about how they felt about our current president. By the way, for the record, four years earlier, it was the exact same thing. Right. <laughs> Eight years ago, same thing, right? So four years from now, it's going to be the same issue. But I remember struggling as a leader. How do I lead people to respond to even political issues without politicizing the issue? That's really the issue is our hearts and the way we carry ourselves and the way we honor God. And so I have got to, as a leader, especially when it's not a political issue, if the first thing you stood up on uh, the next time you lead your people and you talk about gun control, you're a bad leader. You're not actually leading people to process their hearts. You have to go to the heart first. And so we, we have got to be committed to make sure that we keep places safe, we welcome people, but we also can't politicize issues that are not political. And we have to lead through political issues in a way that deals with the heart and not get engaged in a place where we as especially ministry leaders have no place 
trying to tell people how to vote or how to feel about a president. The reality is we should be praying for our president and all of our other leaders. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Uh, so the last thing that I would say is, and I, and, and I know that we would all agree with this, is these are the kinds of issues that have got to lead us to pray more. Mm-hmm. You know, we, the, we believe in the power of prayer. We say here at this church that we believe that something happens every time God's people pray. And so I would just encourage anybody listening to this. We have, our, our biggest response is we have got to pray. We've, we've got to pray more, more frequently, more fervently, more faithfully. Yeah. I just want to thank, yeah, yeah. thank you, Pastor Tim, because you um, you called all of our life groups to have times of, of prayer over this issue, um, and, and my, my life group met on Monday night, and we spent some time praying for, for the families, praying for the community um, in Texas, and it was a powerful time. We were able to come together... Um, and, it, and it's hard not to, to feel the emotion of, of the loss. And, and I actually felt myself getting overwhelmed. And, but as we, as we prayed, we, we found ourselves coming to a, a place in our prayer that we need God's church to rise up mm-hmm. and, and show God's love um, no matter what. And, and I, as we were praying, I, just, I, felt, I felt the hope build up inside of me even after shedding some tears. And, and it was cool because we, we went through that as, as, a, as a, a life group. And... And as we were, we were praying, I, I just, even in myself, felt, felt God building up inside of me for hope to, to see God's love and his, his gospel spread, mm. even through what is a tragedy and a very sad time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that needs to be our prayer, that, that people can still um, serve God, people can still live for God, yep. and, and more and more people would come to know God, even, even through this stuff. Well, all right, guys, let's turn a corner and get to our third and final segment for this episode. And we are calling this episode, you're going to say it with me, one, two, three. Bangarang! All right, Bangarang is a word from a great movie called Hook. Uh, I was, I'm going to be honest with you, uh, since this is the first Leadership Chats episode, let's pull the veil back a little bit. I was thinking about calling this uh, segment, uh, you're doing it, Peter. I was thinking about calling it that, but... I felt like that was maybe a little bit too obscure of a reference. So Bangarang is a good one. Uh, Bangarang is the segment where we're going to talk about how leadership is hard, and in order to survive leadership, you need to be committed to grow, but you also need to be committed to have a little fun. You need to have a fun life. Now, Bangarang is our chance to talk about the stuff that we're doing to grow up, but also to stay a kid at heart. So in order to get Bangarang done this very first inaugural time, I'm going to do it as a rapid-fire round, so I've got some questions for you guys, okay? Uh, so, question number one, what is the best book you have read this year, Mark? I'm in it right now. It's called Uh-Huh by Kyle Eidelman. Nice. What's it about? The three words he uses is awakening, honesty, and action. Basically, uh-huh. coming... Isn't that awesome? Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> and not the 80s rock band, either. So, it's just it's coming to the realization of that God's got a purpose recognize the purpose, approach the Savior with brutal honesty, and then what is his call to action for your life? That's cool. Question, though. If the 80s rock band AHA wrote a book, would you read it? Yes. I would take on me. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. All right, Danny. Book you're reading or the favorite book you've read this year? 
You said rapid fire, but that wasn't very rapid. That's so true. Is this how the rapid fire goes? I think Sorry. It's about as Am I allowed to ask questions in the middle of this? Yes. And by the way, single I think shot this reload. Be rapid as we get, so. <laughs> this is as rapid as we get. Well, I've actually told people um, that I'm always I'm always reading three things. Um, I do believe that leaders are readers. I'm always reading three things. I'm always every day reading my Bible. I'm also always reading a a nonfiction, something that would be for learning, for education, for self-help. Currently, my nonfiction right now, I'm reading Meet Generation Z. As I mentioned earlier, um, trying to get to know the culture that I'm ministering to uh, that I feel far from. So Meet Generation Z has helped me realize and the culture has shifted, that these young people are living in a completely different world than we did a little while ago. And then my third thing I'm always reading is my something just for fun, my fiction. What I'm currently reading right now is uh, Dan Brown's newest Robert Langdon novel, Origin. I love his pacing. He tells stories that are very fast-paced, very fun, very full of action. It's anti-church, kind of like Da Vinci Code was, which is weird to read, but I like getting different perspectives. So... Yeah, also, uh, that's not like historical fiction where it's... Yes, it is absolutely <laughs> not historical fiction. What? There's nothing true about it. Um, it's complete fiction. But the Da Vinci Code is completely totally fake. Right? Da Vinci that's Code exactly. was completely fake. <laughs> it, it, it moved along well. Spoiler it was fun. Right. <laughs> um, but it was very uh, not true. Same with Origin. There's a lot of things that are anti-church, anti-religion that are not true, but in general, it, his writing is fun. So yeah, those are the three things I'm reading right now. Nice. Did you shout out to the Gen Z uh, author? Oh, sorry. That one's by James Emery White. Nice. I am like you, though, Danny. I read kind of three things all at the same time. I just got to bring a Bible. I'm super geeking out about this Bible. I got a reader's Bible for my birthday, and it's where they, uh, they don't include the chapter numbers and all that. So as you're reading like Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, it just reads like a letter. Like, so you're reading it like a novel. It's really cool bound and, and all that. And it's just the first time that I've picked up a Bible and I'm cracking it open and it feels, as I'm looking at the pages, like it's something I've never read before. So that's, that's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm geeking out about that. Uh, a leadership book I'm reading right now is called Predictable Success by Les McCowan. Uh, that was given to me by, by one of my mentors, Dennis Easter, and just really helping me a lot with a lot of uh, leadership kind of paradigms. Like I was saying earlier, kind of getting into a whole new structure of leadership, uh, kind of new thinking around leadership. That book's already been really, really helpful, while simultaneously making me feel like I have never led for a second in my life. So that's encouraging. Uh, and then for fun, I'm reading a book called Earth of Fire right now by Orson Scott Card, who is the dude who wrote Ender's Game. Uh, apologies to my friend Bryce, who Ender's Game was his favorite movie growing up, or his favorite book growing up. He saw the movie, and he was super ticked. He hated it. Actually, Mark, you and I went to go see that, right? Pretty devastating. He was so upset. So he feels like they ruined the movie. But the books are really good. And there's this kind of side series called The Formic Wars. Uh, and so that I'm reading the second book called Earth of Fire. And it's basically like Ender's Game super prequel. Like a bunch of years in the past before that happened when the aliens are actually going to attack the Earth. So spoiler alert, in Ender's Game, the aliens attack the Earth. In this book, this is how it happened. So... I'm a nerd. I, one of my favorite books of all time is Space Odyssey 2001. Uh, so sci-fi is, is a big get for me on books. So that's what we're reading right now. What about movies or TV shows maybe? What have you been loving to watch recently? Can we not 
talk about Stranger Things? Stranger Season things. two. Hello. I'm so, I'm so sad we haven't finished it yet. Yeah, we're, we're four. The whole world has. We're four episodes in. Everybody else on the planet has finished this whole show. I'm liking it so far. How do you guys like season two? Uh, yeah, I like Stranger it. Things is my number one top favorite TV show. I love the feel. Um, it's just really fun. I was yeah. a child of the '80s, so it's kind of like a good throwback to okay. What fa- was favorite thing I've heard as a critique of of uh, Stranger Things? A bunch of millennials reviewed Stranger Things and said it's not realistic because the parents would never let their kids be out that long. <laughs> Isn't it sad that we have like an entire generation of kids who have no idea what it's like to be out until the streetlights come on, and then maybe right. even after that? Yeah, yeah. Do kids go outside that? nowadays? Yeah, kids don't even go outside. So that's Stranger Things. Um, I watched a movie the other day uh, that kind of is stuck in my head. I might have to go watch it again. It's called Get Out. So I watched it as a as a thriller. It was really well done, mm-hmm. and then uh, there's some kind of funny bits in it too. So it's almost like a kind of mock humor thriller uh, but then just the social commentary on race relations you could actually learn a lot from this movie so I didn't I didn't know I was gonna learn a lot from a movie uh, about well I won't tell you what it's about spoilers but uh, but it was a really good movie so that might be on kind of the top of my list right now what are you what about movies you guys have been watching recently well I was excited that I finally saw spider-man homecoming oh, which was really that's just fun and then my little girl was homesick yesterday, and so I stayed home with her, and then she had the request if Daddy would sit down with her and watch The Shack with her. And I said, sure, I will. And Daddy was a hot mess after that movie, I'll tell you what. Did you have but, tissues? Or oh, my towel. I, yeah, <laughs> I did have a sponge because I had to wring it out a few times. But, yeah, when you're sitting there and you're watching that movie uh, with your little girl... Waterworks, Waterworks, but such a powerful movie. Such a great movie. Um, That's a good one. I listened to the audiobook. So I cheated on that book. I I listened to the audiobook. When we lived in Arizona, I would commute to work, and I listened to it on my way to work. Bad idea. Bad idea. (laughs) I would show up to work every day, and I'm crying. First of all, that's not safe. I'm crying on the freeway while I'm driving in traffic. And then I get to work and everybody looks like I've like had a fight with somebody or something. Uh, or something tragic has happened in my life. So do not drive and listen to the audiobook of The Shack. There's your pro tip for the day. Yes. All right, Danny. Wrap it up. Uh, movie that you've watched recently. Something you love. Um, I, well, I haven't watched it recently yet because I haven't seen Thor yet. But I'm excited to see that. But what everyone's saying it reminds them of is Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which I loved. It was really funny. Um, I I used to say that superhero movies weren't really my thing, but I don't think I can say that anymore because I've seen like whatever thirty superhero movies a year for the past ten years. <laughs> um, so I, I I but I like I like the Guardians of the Galaxy movie because it's just real fun mm-hmm. and funny and you're laughing more than anything else during those movies and then it's like cool action too. So uh, I'm down with that and then I'm really looking for forward to Thor. Or, yeah, yeah, I heard that's really good. Good reviews. All right, music. What is some music that you are listening to right now? I mean, not right now as we're talking. All right, about I'm gonna like start it off. Days. You start it off. I like Lecrae's new album. I can't believe it. You have turned a corner. You two don't or seem to not. I'm not a fan. I liked his old stuff. I just I can't get down with Lecrae's new album. See, Sorry, I'm, Lecrae, if you're listening <laughs> to this podcast. If you um, are, by the way, share it with all your friends. 
Yeah, Lecrae's Le new album, The there's one track that I really love, Come and Get Me. Uh, I love the groove, and it's really cool. The groove and the hook and everything's really good about it. Um, but I wanted to bring that up first because I think you two because it were, was controversial. Were, were not liking it so much. So. It was, it was a departure from Anomaly, and in my brain, I was expecting Anomaly, and so when I didn't get that, I was kind of disappointed. But I I need to go back and listen to it again and give it a shot. Wait, so Danny Maybe. kind of like, why do I feel like Danny just Jesus juked us on Lecrae's album? Like, I feel guilty now that I don't like it. Right. No, now I gotta go. Well, I, I <laughs> planned to listen to it again, because, but the first impression was like, meh. Yeah. But we'll get there. All right, I think I know what you're going to say for what you're listening to right now, but go ahead. I got two things I'm cranking right now. Uh, Red's new album called yeah, Gone that was it. is uh, rocking my world, and then I can never get enough of NF. Uh, his new album called Perception, and the dude drops lyrical bombs and leaves me in pieces. So, great album, great lyricist, uh, good stuff. I love it. Lots of fun. Okay, so one is kind of not really an album that I'm listening to right now. It is anything, pretty much anything by Propaganda, So, which mm -hmm. isn't even all music. A lot of his spoken word stuff I really like. Uh, we saw him live recently, and he puts on a good show. Uh, felt bad actually. He was in Palmdale in front of a bunch of like twelve-year-olds, and he kind of said at the very beginning, like, "Oh, this is gonna get weird. It's gonna go over your head." <laughs> I remember and that. And I totally did. Uh, but he's he's awesome. He put on a great show uh, for those folks that, that we saw him with. So mm -hmm. I've been listening to a bunch of his stuff. I'm going old school right now. Uh, Yellow card, acoustic, Ocean Avenue. Oh, you gotta listen to the regular. I love Avenue. I love the acoustic version okay. of that album. So I'm listening to that. <laughs> All right, and then. And then let's get Christian here for a minute. Um, the new, it's not recorded yet, but you can find it on, like on YouTube, the new Elevation Worship song called Worthy. That song is fire. Well, there you have it. That is our very first leadership chats in the book. I want to say thanks to Danny Saltzman and to Mark Rondeau. I hope you guys enjoyed this new format. I'm going to be back with another interview in episode five in two weeks from now. I want to say thank you so much for taking your time to listen to Leader Life, and we will talk soon.